The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Tenth play of the drive. Second and goal from the six. Rudolph going to his left. Throws. Touchdown. Devontae Martin Manley. Five-yard touchdown pass to Martin Manley. His first touchdown of the season. When they put 15 on the run and give him some time, he's done an excellent job hitting those guys in stride. And this was a big touchdown for the guys in the white unis. They've had two good drives. One resulted in a fumble. This one results in a touchdown. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. We have our first of two weekly reporters' notebook segments in this podcast. This one features Steve Batterson, who looks back at the Hawks' big road win and aims over Iowa State. You'll also hear some of what Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz had to say on the weekly Big Ten coaches' call. This Hawkeye's Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include Brent Balbinad and Marv Cook, as well as sports reporters Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeye Susan Dank, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out Marv Cook's X's and O's show and our other Reporters Notebook podcast this week. The Iowa-Iowa State game highlights are courtesy of Fox Sports 1 with announcers Justin Kutcher and James Bates. An okay job calling this annual battle for the Cyhawk Trophy. We appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. HawkeyesMike.com. It's sports talk radio on the internet. Just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz participated in the weekly Big Ten Coaches Conference call. Here's some of what he had to say about the play of Mark Wiseman and his workload through the first three games, the play of his defensive backfield versus Iowa State, the play of Anthony Hitchens, and in the context of Bo Pelini's controversy, whether there's any safe place anymore for coaches to vent. Yeah, certainly we're really pleased with what he's doing uh, thus far, and uh, I'm not surprised. He, he works extremely hard and practices really well, and uh, is really you know doing a lot of things he did last year. So we're really pleased with that, and you know pleased with the rest of the backs as well. You, you know, the other guy I'd throw out there is Fred Russell, and even um, Albert Young in, in 05 did a great job. But you know, all different type guys. You know, Sean's a big, strong guy. Uh, Fred Russell was not nearly as big, but uh, very durable too. So. Yeah, it takes mental toughness starting there, and then I think, you know, it, it helps. Uh, Mark's a guy who just stays in phenomenal shape all the time. Sean was a little different because he was coming off a uh, a period where, you know, he wasn't uh, training here for a while, so he had to get in shape as the year went on. But, you know, it's, it's not easy for anybody that's playing a lot of plays. we got a lot of guys playing a lot of plays, and, you know, they've really got to take care of themselves, and they, they've got to be uh, you know, mentally tough too because it's anybody that's playing college football, you know, most of them are sore by now. You know, it really was a kind of a tale of two cities uh, in the game. You know, we played really well for three plus quarters defensively, and, and then uh, you know we we struggled a little bit there in the last uh, five, six, seven minutes. So, 
you know, the good news is I guess we, we really did a really good job for quite a while and then, uh, you know, just gave up a couple of plays there. So that's, that's been something that we've, we've got to, you know, we've been plagued with a little bit and we've got to continue to work on that. And I think part of that's communication, part of that's just, uh, you know, learning how to finish a game a little bit better. And that, that is something we really haven't done a great job of in three games right now. So, you know, there's some really good, good plays, some good highlights out there, but there are also some plays that we need to, to, to improve on and, and uh, get cleaned up. And if we don't, it's it's going to be a problem, uh, not only in Big Ten play, but it'll be a problem this week. I'm just really pleased with Anthony, Anthony and our whole group of linebackers, I think, are playing well now. And, uh, and they should. They're, they're, they're seniors. But I think, you know, Anthony's a good discussion point in that he had a lot of tackles last year. Uh, and I expect him to have a lot this year, too. But the big thing is where he's making those tackles. You know, he's just playing a lot more decisively now. And cl- clearly, to me, at least throughout the course of spring and summer, you know, he's just the great thing about experience. He's seeing things quicker, reacting quicker. And, you know, it's, it's nice to be a veteran player, you know, and he's taking advantage of that. It's a real credit to him. But I would also say, you know, James Moore. Morris and Chris Kirk's here doing a great job, too. The whole group, you know, all three of them are playing well, and they're giving us great leadership, which is really a positive thing. You know, uh, kind of like I tell our players, you know, you, you base, unless you're in a closet, you better assume somebody's recording you or filming you or both. Uh, it just seems like that's the world we live in right now. I guess probably not. And I'm, I'm kind of fuzzy on the details. I kind of heard a little bit about, you know, what happened. But, yeah, it's 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 an interesting world right now. I guess the moral of the story is you better, better wait till you get home and then hope your wife's on your side. It's probably a 50-50 shot on a good day. The Iowa Hawkeyes go into every game planning for a tough on-field defense, but off the field they use prefence hand sanitizer. Remember, the best defense is prefence. Richardson hit as he throws, and that is picked up. James Morris going the other way, and Morris gets tackled at the 25-yard line. Drew Ott applied the pressure. James Morris picks it off, a 27-yard return. 44 has over 300 career tackles. He may just finish with four. We know he can hunt down those ball carriers. Such a smart football player. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. (laughs) How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings, moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. Time now for the first of our two weekly Reporters Notebook shows. This was Steve Batterson. You can read Steve's articles in the Quad City Times and online at qctimes.com. You can also follow Steve on Twitter at sbat79. Steve looks back at the Iowa State game and more. Steve, an important win in Ames last Saturday, obviously, and Iowa reclaims the Cyhawk Trophy for the first time in three years, and it's the 600th win in the program's history. A big Saturday, no question. I made it out of there with the trophy. They, some of them didn't take home cell phones or wallets, apparently, but, uh, uh, you know, certainly a, a step forward for this Iowa football team, for, for the Hawkeyes to uh, to go in and, and, and defeat a young Iowa State team. I mean, let's not get ahead of ourselves here too far, but uh, this is a, a Cyclone team that is, is very young and still kind of finding itself, too. But uh, to go there, to play fairly well, for Jake Roduck to come in and, and have a, uh, you know, a fairly solid performance in his first road test, you know, it, it's a step forward for this Iowa team. 
team, and, and the effort was there. As Kirk kind of alluded to on, on Saturday night, uh, you know, there's still some stuff to clean up, and the, the team certainly still needs to learn how to finish, but that's what this week is for. I mean, they have a chance to correct all those things now, and a, a, a night of growth at, at Jack Trice, which, uh, you know, it had been three years since Iowa had that trophy in its hands. A, d- a different trophy at the time, but uh, uh, certainly uh, a step forward. Yeah, you just mentioned learning how to finish. Another first half where the stats didn't match the scoreboard, more problems in completing drives and for Iowa's offense. Yeah, it, it really was, especially initially. You know, in the first quarter, really for both teams, they were, they were just kind of taking stabs at each other and missing. But, uh, you know, I, I think Iowa, you know, did a nice job towards the end of the first half they had a they had a seven plus minute drive it resulted in a field goal but it, it was uh, certainly was the type of drive that allowed Iowa to gain some confidence and it also started to wear down that Iowa State defense which became important you know as the game kind of wore on into the second half but you know Iowa for whatever uh, for it's been a very slow starting team uh, so far this season I mean the first three games it has not you know they have not come out of the gate strong yet second quarter has been fairly productive and and you know they were able to put 13 uh, in part because of on the board because of, of James Morris's interception late in the first half, but uh, to get three out of that was big. Uh, obviously, uh, six is better than three, and that, that that remains a work in progress. I know in my own game notes in the second half, I did this at least three times, but I wonder how many times in the second half Iowa fans thought the Hawks had put this game away, only to have Iowa State come roaring back and ending the game with an actual chance to win with one more touchdown. Absolutely, yeah. It, it came down to a fourth quarter uh, that certainly, uh, you know, wasn't probably according to script from Iowa's perspective. Uh, you know, Iowa has had a history here lately of not being able to finish off opponents, and, and you know, we almost saw that again. Uh, you know, you know, thank heavens for the athletic ability of of, of B.J. Lowry to to uh, to go up and get, grab that interception. It was a terrific play, and it also, you know, it it was something that was desperately needed at that point. Uh, uh, you know. Give Iowa State some credit. They did a really nice job in terms of executing a couple of onside kicks, which has, has obviously been a long-term issue with the Hawkeyes in terms of not being able to recover those things. But uh, Ray Hamilton got to one of them, and that uh, probably was Iowa saving grace on, on Saturday night. After the NIU loss, I figured the Hawkeyes would be 2-2 two and two heading in the Big Ten, but that was before the Cyclones lost to UNI, and we discovered really how bad this Iowa State team is, at least compared to the last couple of years. It, it certainly is a much more inexperienced team. I mean, if you take a look at their front seven on defense, it's, it's very green. They've had some injury issues on the offensive line already this season. They're down during the Iowa game. They've, they've found themselves playing with their third-team center already, and the, it has not been the, the quickest of starts. And then you, you throw Sam Richardson out there as a first-year full-time starting quarterback with an ankle injury that he suffered in the UNI game, and he certainly didn't show the mobility that, that he had you know, in previous outings. Uh, on Saturday, and you know those things kind of certainly tilted the scales a little bit in Iowa's favor, and and you know Iowa was able to make the most of it. I mean, it's a situation they found themselves in, and and uh, you know they they made the most with you know a, a solid offensive line performance. I thought that uh, we we saw some growth there, uh, you know, which only opens the door for for Mark Wiseman to do what he does so well. Let's take a more in depth look at the offense. Even though you saw Iowa's uh, offense slow down in this game, they still ran 83 plays. 
series, which is their average through the first three games, far and away the most under Ference, still exclusively no huddle, but showing the ability to very effectively vary the pace depending on the needs of any particular game. And that's exactly what they're hoping to get out of this. They want to, uh, you know, take it within game segments. If it's time to manage the clock, they're still able to do that. You know, Iowa State did do a decent job of, of, of limiting Iowa's rushing attack a little bit. I, you know, this is the first time that uh, that we've seen for for a while that, that, that the yards have been a little harder to come by. It was, uh, you know, 3.6 yards per rush is what they finished with. And, you know, that probably a little more typical to what we can expect to see once they get to Big Ten competition. I thought Iowa State's defense played fairly hard. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that they played that technically well, but uh, they, they certainly didn't miss many tackles. Um, they, they did bottle up the run on occasion, but Iowa was still able to get that two or three yards. And one of the points I thought Kirk brought up on Saturday night that was a good one was a year ago in Iowa City, they really stuffed them on first down. This year, Iowa was able to really make some, some noise on first down, and, and that put them into manageable situations for second and third down, which gave them a chance to, to move the ball. I continue to use the word heady a lot when describing Jake Rudock's play. Ference and his offensive teammates repeatedly use the term poise after that game Saturday, and especially important, as we know for Kirk, he used the term again, Jake's not making dumb mistakes. Kind of cut to the chase, didn't he? There, <laughs> he's yeah, he, he's a pretty unflappable kid from what we've seen so far. And I, you know, I think we saw that in the first half when he had the fumble. I was on the move, marching deep into the, into Iowa State territory, and and uh, he, he gave the ball away. Well, in the next series, you know, he came out and orchestrated a, a drive that put Iowa on the board. And it's that short-term memory of just being able to flush that and move ahead, and that Kirk likes. And I think that's probably one of the reasons that that we saw him become the starting quarterback three games ago uh, as opposed to those other two uh, two guys that were in the running at the time and, and and some of that I think just has to do with they saw a steadiness in his play that uh, that we've seen play out o- over time and and it's certainly uh, you know the kid doesn't get rattled and and it's so important uh, when you're trying to uh, to manage a game over yeah sticking minutes. with that theme a second I think maybe the single thing that impressed me the most about his play Saturday night you're on the road in a very hostile environment the people in Ames just don't like I Iowa. And yet he didn't seem to be rattled in that context, and he actually looked like he was just playing at home. Yeah, and I, I think that I think that's part of his personality. I, I, I really think there's a steadiness to to his personality that that will probably benefit him moving forward. You know, it, it certainly was one of the tougher environments. I think he probably benefited from the fact that two years ago, when he was redshirting as a freshman, Iowa took him on every single road trip that they made that season. And part of it was just to simply get him used to what the experience would be like. You know, they did the same thing with uh, with uh, Nick Shimanek last weekend, the true freshman quarterback from Texas. He made the trip to Ames uh, on the travel roster, and, and part of the deal there is just to get those guys acclimated a little bit to the surroundings that they may find themselves in sometime down the yeah, road. Yeah, somebody tweeted Saturday night, I got a kick out of it, that Brudock probably faced more hostile environments in his high school days. Very possible, yeah, no question. When you're coming out of a, uh, you know, a high-powered program like that, you're you're probably not on a lot of uh, uh, fan-friendly uh, assignments when you yeah, go Jake had another rushing touchdown. I got a kick out of Mike Lass's comment. He said Jake must have Jake in his fantasy team. But that's another first for a Ferentz uh, team. First quarterback with rushing touchdowns in three straight games. Yeah, that, that stat was a little surprising. I mean, they certainly have had some quarterbacks 
backs in the past that uh, that have been able to uh, you know to call their own number once in a while or at least carry it in whether whether it was their call or not. But uh, you know he certainly has shown a, a willingness to to run with the ball when he feels like it's it's the most proper thing to do at that point in the game. And, and uh, you know we saw that you know a couple weeks ago at Northern Illinois he, he doesn't hesitate and I think that's a good thing. I, I think it's something certainly that it provides the defense with uh, just another thing to worry about as they prepare for Iowa. It, it provides a little balance to uh, to what has been you know tilted pretty heavily in it, towards number 45 yeah. so far. Overwhelming time of possession difference. I think largely the result of the old school smash mouth run the ball down Iowa State's throats. But at the end of the game, Iowa had the ball for 38 minutes at Iowa State for just under 22. And the Hawkeyes also ran 20 more offensive plays uh, compared to Iowa State 63. Tough when you're on the downside of those two stats to win games. It, it really is, and 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 that started early. It was it was a uh, it was a 19 to 11 edge at, at halftime, and so even though Iowa maybe hadn't put as many points on the board as maybe they probably should have statistically at that point, uh, they certainly had set a tone with the way they were controlling the football, and and that carried over into the second half, and then you know another seven plus minute drive later in the game that led to the led to that Jake Rudock touchdown run uh, that put the final points on the board, and it, it certainly uh, you know. You know, it's the kind of ball control that I think that keeps the defense fresh. There's no question about that. Tires the opponent's defense. And, and I think we saw a little of that come into play late. Uh, 60 there. rushes equals a high interference. Runs almost 2-1 to one margin over passes. This game was an offensive lineman's dream. Pound right, pound left, pound up the middle, mostly by Wiseman. But Bullock also had some key runs and ended up with 50 yards on the night. The question for me is how long, and obviously for other people, is how long can Wiseman keep this up? Yeah, I mean, he kind of joked after the game that that's what ice ice tubs are for. But 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 you know, it, it, it is going to take some wear and tear, and it, it's bound to. We saw that play out last year when Mark came onto the scene, and and eventually, uh, you know, he, he wore down a little bit, and and I think they are going to need to continue to get other running backs involved in this offense, and, and Kirk I think realizes that too. But right now, you know, he continues to insist they're just going within the flow of the game and in terms of who who's getting the ball in their hands but uh, the the experience of Damon Bullock and Jordan Kanzari and you know somebody we didn't see Saturday LaShawn Daniels the experience they get over the next couple of games is going to be important as as the schedule moves from September to October and, and later into November when when the aches and pains don't go away quite as easily for for Wiseman, who uh, you know certainly has pr- proven durable in terms of you know, willingness to carry the load, but uh, whether his body would hold up over the course of the whole season with that kind of punishment, especially with the defenses he'll be seeing starting here in a couple of weeks. The other key question with respect to that issue is going going into the Big Ten, you have to figure they're going to have to get back to more of a balanced approach. Yeah, and, and I think that you know it's the old Hayden Fry scratch where it itches thing. I mean, you know they're, they're going to take what the defense is giving them, and so far the defenses that they've faced haven't been able to really slow down the run and and so why not uh, you know help help your quarterback kind of establish himself you know he's continued to complete about 61% of his passes or so and over the course of the season and, um you know which is a solid number it's it's not spectacular but it's not terrible either and and uh, you know as you develop receivers and, and that's a, an important part of that that equation who are your go-to guys and and this was one of those years where that was a question coming in it's been um, you know you you have some time right now to kind of figure that stuff out and you know we, we we've seen a change in the depth chart this week with with Tavon Smith moving ahead of Don Shumper at one of the receiver spots and the connections that are being made there will be the ones that will be important yeah Rudock spread the ball around nicely to seven different receivers but a couple of standouts there 
probably the best game yet in his career for Cavante Martin Manley. And Jacob Hillier also got his first career touchdown in a really nice play, went up high for a catch and then broke a tackle to scoot in for a 26-yard score. Yeah, he, he kind of showed us all why he's been on that depth chart, <laughs> you know, up near the top of it here. Those are the things that, you know, coaches are seeing in practice, you know, on a, on a fairly regular basis that we aren't having a chance to see in games because they just simply haven't happened. You know, uh, Smith did a, a great job of catching a ball and yeah, that uh, that set up Iowa's first score on a, on a 25-yard reception there in the in the first half. And Martin Manley just continues, you know, to get better. He's going to be the workhorse of this of this receiving core. I don't think there's any any question about that. But uh, uh, you know, he he's proven now over a course of a couple of games that. that you know, he, he's made some strides, and, and he's willing to kind of step into that. You're still troubled, I suspect, by too many drops by Iowa receivers, including two by Fedorowicz. Looks like some of the other tight ends maybe passing him by just a bit in this offense. What do you think's going on with him? No question. I think Ray Hamilton had a, had a great game the other night with a couple of catches. And, you know, CJ has, has shown, you know, from time to time, he's he's had some issues catching the ball. And, and he came on late last season and put up some great numbers, but he had his struggles early last year, too. And, uh, you know, people were kind of questioning then what uh, what's going on with CJ. And uh, when you talk to CJ, he, he says things are fine and everything's, you know, rolling along. He's just not holding onto the ball when it's coming his way. And, you know, I think that's one of those things that, uh, you know, it will either get itself worked out or, as we saw the other night, you know, the ball's going to go to Ray Hamilton or, or Jake Doozy or, you know, one, one of those other, t- you know, tight ends. That's one, one of the great things about the depth Iowa has this year. Somebody's not performing. Somebody else is perfectly capable of stepping up and and getting the job done. Iowa's defense, a dominant first half performance. And then in the second half, you sit there and you're watching that and you're thinking, what is it that Iowa State's doing differently here, especially in the fourth quarter, to be as effective as they were against Iowa's defense? And why didn't they do it earlier in the game? Or conversely, what did Iowa's defense fail to do late in the game that they were doing earlier? Yeah, I think Iowa Iowa struggled to uh, finish off on some plays. And certainly, I think a lot of it had to do with Iowa State. I think, I, I think there was an emphasis put on on Richardson getting rid of the ball much quicker than what he had been during the game, and some of that came down to play calling and what plays were being called. And you know, I, you get you have to give a little credit to uh, you know to Quentin Bundridge who who kind of emerged as a playmaker for them late in the game, and I think he was you know not unlike Iowa, they're kind of searching for for those same type of guys, and and they found one. Six of his seven catches came in the second half, and and uh, three of them ended up in the end zone. So I mean, he, you know, he, he's a guy that. Uh, made plays, and he made them against the Iowa secondary, which which has struggled against uh, uh, you know that type of situation in the past, and, and continues to do so. And it looks like Jordan Lomax is not listed on the depth chart once again this week. So whether or not he'll be back or not, we don't know yet. But uh, you know, it's a it's a fairly you know a young group that uh, um, you know is positions themselves to uh, to be challenged from time to time. And I mean, Desmond King is a true freshman. He's he's played fairly well at times, but he's also looked like a freshman and gotten beat a couple of times. Lowry got beat on on uh, on the 67-yard uh, touchdown that uh, that put Iowa State on the on the uh, on the board. You know, and then he steps up and makes a, a nice pick at the end of the game. And, then, and as he said after the game, that's it's kind of life as a cornerback, and you deal with those challenges. Looks like even a bit more. Pre- 
pressure on that defensive secondary this year because the Hawkeyes continued to blitz more frequently than we've seen in the past. They are putting more pressure on opposing quarterbacks than last year, certainly. They're not getting that many sacks, though. They only had one against Richardson. Now, they're, they're forcing kind of a, a level of uh, a panic, I guess, for lack of a better term. They're forcing those guys to move around a little more and, and moving the pocket around and, and, and exerting a little more pressure. Uh, you know, the sack is probably the next step. And, and you know, we've, we've only seen two so far through three games. It's, it's not, uh, you know, exactly worth writing home about at this point. But but there's no question that the, that it has been an emphasis. We are seeing a lot more blitzing. We're seeing personnel changes depending upon down and distance to put a little more quickness on the field. Uh, you know, and, and those things, uh, when you take a risk, you know, it's a risk-reward kind of thing. And, you know, right now you, you do risk getting burned from time to time. And then we saw that a couple times on Saturday. Just a couple of quick points on special teams. Uh, you mentioned it earlier, one on the, the continued susceptibility to uh, successful onside kicks being executed by opposing teams. And, and in the case of Saturday night, it wasn't even trickery. I mean, they saw it coming. I, I don't know. That's uh, I, I think Iowa fans are probably getting skittish anytime a team lines up for a kickoff. It's certainly uh, something that I think they'll probably see more of as, as they continue to kind of struggle with them. And I mean, you know, they had their hands team out there. They were ready for it, but uh, uh, it just eluded them. And, and, and if you watch the tape, I mean, it wouldn't have been a stretch of the imagination. I think they might not have ended up with either of those balls. I, I thought Edwin, Edwin Arceo, the kicker from Iowa State, did a great job of executing them. You know, at some point, you know, that kid probably deserves a little credit, too, for placing the ball where it needed to be placed. Uh, yeah, it has been a bugaboo of, of the Hawkeyes now for several years. And, and you know, their next road trip comes to uh, to a place uh, in a couple of weeks in Minnesota where they've been victimized a couple of times. So, you know, I'm sure that'll be an area that will be worked on this week in practice, uh, probably receiving a little extra attention. The other question. special teams note, Mike Meyer has been much better this season, and, and it's already been talked about quite a bit. In terms of the depth of his kickoffs, he's getting a lot of kickoffs deep or even through the end zone, a lot of touchbacks. But you saw again Saturday night, you saw it a week ago, when his kicks come up a little short and the opposing team returns those kickoffs, there still appears to be some vulnerability for Iowa to good kickoff returns. Yeah, and I think that's... uh that's something that, uh, again, we saw a few more starters on, on those units last week than what we have. And typically that's been the way they've been addressed over time is is that when the group isn't getting it done, they'll put another starter or two and commit another starter or two to, to a, a team to kind of strengthen it. And uh, uh, you're right. I mean, he had he had some nice booming kicks. And Mike, Mike has put a lot of work into strengthening his leg. Part of his offseason work, he said, uh, told me a couple weeks ago, was, was that he wanted to become a little more consistent in terms of knocking that thing into the end zone. And, and we, we've seen that. He, he averaged 62 and a half yards on his on his six kickoffs the other day, which, you know, pretty solid. But uh, but you're right. Uh, when when uh, when they don't reach the end zone, uh, you know, there's a pretty decent chance that they're going to come back. And, and, you know, Aaron Wimberly for, you know, Iowa State is a guy who, who returned one for 31 or 32 yards against UNI and their opener as well. So, you know, he's got a little ability too. He's a junior college transfer that uh, they're looking to find a lot of ways to to involve him in their offense, and you know that was uh you know that was part of it. But uh, you know they also had Albert Gary re- return a couple for uh, for 53 as well. So they've got uh, you know I've still got some work to do. Closing thoughts. I'll bet one of the uh, things you're going to see in the Iowa locker room this week and on the bulletin board somewhere highlights of the Michigan Akron game. Uh, no question. I, I think that's certainly uh, you know it's a wake up call that will be uh, sounded not only in Iowa. 
city, but uh, probably in, in, in locker rooms throughout uh, throughout the Big Ten that you have to show up on Saturday ready to go. Uh, you know, Western Michigan has already been on the field twice this season against Big Ten defenses. They've, they've lined up against Michigan State. They've lined up against Northwestern. You know, they're not going to be intimidated walking into Kinnick Stadium. They're 0-2. They have, or 0-3, excuse me, 0-2 against the Big Ten. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things that uh, they look an awful lot like Iowa State. They're very young on both lines, five first-year starters on the offensive front and, and very green on defense as well. So, uh, you know, from that perspective, you know, Iowa should be able to to come out and physically handle this team. But uh, you've got to have your mental game with you, too. Or, or as Michigan found out last week, things can get a little dicey. Uh, you know, Iowa found that out a year ago against Central Michigan. Uh, you don't you don't want to allow those teams to kind of hang around into the fourth quarter. And, and you know, the start this week, I think, will be a pretty significant thing. Let this be a reminder to you all that this organization will not tolerate failure. Seven seconds to go. Richardson completes the pass to Bundridge. Trying for some trickery. Up in the air. It's still loose. And the game is over. Iowa comes into Ames and defeats Iowa State 27-21. And the Iowa Hawkeyes raced over to the Iowa State bench to make sure they picked up that trophy. They were not wasting any time. After two years in Ames, that has to feel good, especially for those seniors. Visit HawkeyesMike.com. Go to the news and events section and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and on Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times. Post-game show is brought to you by... I can't find it. The hell with it. Our thanks again to FS1 for the game highlights this week, and thanks to Steve Batterson. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate. You can phone and make your own voice heard on our shows by calling 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.